1: Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call
2: 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff.
4: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Crossover Sports Illustrated NBA show.
1: Breaking down the latest news, rumors, and everything in between. Here's your host, Chris Maddox and Rohan Nadkarni.
5: This is the Crossover NBA Podcast. I'm Chris Mannix, senior writer with Sports Illustrated, joined, as always, by Rohan Nadkarni, who is still down in his basement in Miami. I just can't help it. Like, I don't even go into these podcasts, Rohan, thinking I'm going to mock your living situation. But every time, you know, we're on these Zooms, and I, I, you know, the camera comes on, and I see that kind of college-like curtain, you know, behind you in the background, it just makes me want to weigh in.
6: Listen, I'm not going to sit here and act like it's the most elegant setup. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just we're powering through. Like, I, like I've like i said from the start, podcasting as God intended from your parents' home. I can't think exactly. of a more natural way to do it personally.
5: Big time member of the boomerang generation, as I said <laughs> on the, the last show. All right. Uh, we're going to dive right in to the big story this week, which is the Wizards-Suns deal that will send Bradley Beal uh, to Phoenix. In exchange for Beal, this agreed-upon trade will send Chris Paul, Landry Schammett, and a whole bunch of second-round picks. Unclear exactly how many at this point. But a whole bunch of second-round draft capital to Washington. The deal has not been finalized yet. In part, I'm told, because the Wizards and Suns are still looking to potentially find a third team to facilitate uh, Chris Paul to. uh, Washington really has no use for Chris Paul next season. Chris Paul wants to play for a contender. So over the next few days, we're going to see the Wizards and Suns work on something. Chris Paul's representatives, too, work on uh, something to get a third team involved that uh, Chris Paul would want to play on. Uh, but this is what the deal is going to be. Bradley Beal is going to be a member of the Phoenix Suns and uh, Landry Shamit and some draft capital will be headed uh, to Washington. So I, I want to kind of weigh in here first, Roman, because you know the more I digest this trade, the less enthusiastic I am about it for Phoenix. Hmm. Now on paper, on paper, you... You look at you know look what they did. They they effectively traded Chris Paul, who was not gonna be on the team next season. You know, for financial reasons mostly. Uh he was more likely than not going to get waived before June twenty eighth. Um Landry Shamit, decent player, seventh or eighth man in the rotation. Second round draft capital. You can have your opinions about second round draft capital. I don't think it amounts to much. Yeah, you can do what the Suns are doing and package a bunch of these picks and, you know, call it the equivalent of one first round pick. But, you know, the second round is a complete crapshoot. Uh, so they got him for for a very low price. But I, I just keep looking at this roster and I'm seeing Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton for now, and even in the most optimal of circumstances, which is both all of those guys play 65-plus games, which we both know is, you know, I, I don't know how realistic that's going to be given the injury history of some of them. Uh, I don't know how good that team is. Like, they can score a lot of points, but some of the skills of Devin Booker and Bradley Beal overlap, you're going to be playing kind of a weird probably three-guard lineup most of the time with Beal basically as your small forward, which puts you at a disadvantage, you know, in some situations there. Uh, You don't have a wing defender, which in this league you need. And if you trade DeAndre Ayton, and we'll talk more about that, if you trade DeAndre Ayton, you're talking about going into the playoffs, you know, with Denver and Nikola Jokic in front of you, with... uh the Lakers and Anthony Davis and whoever is alongside Anthony Davis in front of you. Uh, Memphis, if they get Steven Adams back, that's a team with some front court muscle. So you're going to have a, a, a pretty strange lineup in my mind that, that you'd roll out there every single night. A lineup and a rotation that's going to invariably include a lot of minimum salary guys because that's really all the Suns are going to have to work with over the next couple of months. And on top of that, like you've given yourself no flexibility for the future. Like, this is your team. Like, this is who the Phoenix Suns are going to be probably for at least the next three seasons because Bradley Beal, his no trade clause, comes to Phoenix with him. So dealing him, if you're Phoenix, is going to be just as difficult as it was for Washington. Uh, Kevin Durant certainly is tradable, but you're not going to get back the kind of haul that you gave up to get him in the first place, which included Mikael Bridges and multiple first-round picks. Devin Booker, of course, very tradable, but if you trade Devin Booker, you're waving the white flag on everything you know, down the line. I, I don't know. I just, on paper, the Suns got better. Do I think they're a championship team? No, I don't. And when you make a deal like this and zoom right past or are about to zoom right past that second tax apron that's going to go into effect next season... I, I I don't know I don't I don't know I don't know how this I don't know how you look at this and think this is a championship team that Phoenix put together.
6: Yeah, you know, Chris, I I read what you wrote today as well. Kind of, cause this is this kind of a the rare lose lose deal? Uh, it's really interesting. I have a lot of thoughts about this trade. On one hand, I'm glad that Phoenix is basically giving the second tax apron a giant middle finger. I really respect that. Personally, I'm not a fan of this new CBA. I think the second apron is trying to be an effective hard cap, and I don't now like That's the exactly way. what yeah. it's trying to
5: be. Right. That's exactly what it is.
6: And I, I personally am not a fan of the way I believe it restricts movement, uh, the way it might affect teams like Golden State or Milwaukee or even Boston. i, I just, I personally not a fan of the way it severely restricts— teams in that kind of tax bracket for making moves so i respect phoenix and their new ownership for saying whatever we'll spend and we'll figure it out on the fly and find out just how punitive these measures really are the problem is as you mentioned first of all there's a ton of overlap in skills here between beal durant and booker secondly you think of all the kind of quote unquote great big threes in nba history whether it was duncan manu and parker the heats big three even the warriors big three they at least, at the very least, at the bare minimum, had one guy who was, could defend. And more often not, at least two. Who is the stopper on this Suns team? I mean, are they going to get a point guard? Because they don't currently don't have a point guard outside of campaign who has been largely unplayable the last couple of playoffs. They could say Beal or Booker is going to handle the point duties, but that, that puts a lot of stress on them. And then they still have to find a wing defender, which is at a premium in this league. Every team is looking for those guys. I don't think this trade ultimately makes sense for them unless they find a way to move DeAndre Ayton for multiple pieces because a team like Golden State, for example, it's a lot different when they're trying to spend into the tax or the second apron because they have, they already have these guys signed. They have Andrew Wiggins. They have Jordan Poole. They have Gary Payton, the second, they have depth and movable pieces. The Suns don't have that outside of them, their own free agents, whether it's Torrey Craig, Josh Kogi. Ish Wainwright, they can only sign minimum players. Only. That's it. They have no tax exception, nothing. It's going to be all minimum players. You look at the guys who were left on the roster, TJ Warren, etc. None of those guys could play in the playoffs. They were all getting in the second round. We're not talking about the finals. We're not talking about the conference. In the second round, these guys couldn't get rotation for minutes for a team desperate for rotation minutes. I mean, Shamit finally got into the series. He had one nice game in the second round, but Otherwise, it was being attacked by the Nuggets over and over again. Like, if Campaign is their starting point guard, I don't think you can win a title with Campaign as your starting point guard, but I don't know how they go get another one. So, on one hand, I I like that we already have a team saying, whatever, we'll figure out the second apron stuff as we go along. I just don't think the Suns were the right candidate for it. And that's not to say, I, I think Bradley Beal a really good player. He's obviously not at the height that he was when he was an all-NBA guy, an all-star, and I think he would have made sense for other teams i if i were phoenix i would have been desperately trying to move paul and eight this summer for multiple rotation guys and try to build depth we know kevin durant's gonna miss time we know he's gonna miss time what are they gonna do in the regular season when he's out and you have to play a minimum guy as his replacement uh there i'm with you the more i think about it the more i'm like i don't think this is going to work as much as i respect the fact that they were like you know f the second apron
5: I mean Matt Ishbia the owner is behind a lot of this. Uh and you know from what I've been told Matt Ishbia is you know he's close with Isaiah Thomas and mm-hmm. I you know I think Isaiah Thomas has a voice in the ear of Matt Ishbia as as these decisions are are being made. Um his tenure as an owner has been incredibly aggressive and it's too early <laughs> mm-hmm. to tell it's too early to say if this aggressiveness is is folly, uh, but he took over as owner in what February, and immediately, you know, kind of overruled his own, you know, basketball operations staff and said, you know, Let, let's go all in. Let's put Mikael Bridges in a deal for Kevin Durant. Uh, to his credit, he was willing to spend in ways that Robert Sarver was never willing to spend, but you can make a pretty strong argument that Phoenix overpaid for Kevin Durant and paid a price that maybe they wouldn't have had to pay if they acquired him this summer. You know, mm-hmm. if, if the Nets were kind of looking around and saying, well, Kyrie is gone, uh, maybe we'll just reboot this whole thing. Maybe you could have done a deal with just draft capital, uh, you know, Cam Johnson and, and, and whatever else. Uh, maybe you didn't have to give up Michaela Bridges, which would have been a deal, uh, a deal changer for, for Phoenix. Um, fires Monty Williams. Okay, you know, all right. You Whatever. can't leave
6: out you can't leave out holding the ball away from Jokic in the playoffs. This guy's nah, I mean, on that, the, that's the court sort of too. The, <laughs> that's just sort of
5: the goofy stuff. But like, you know, fires money Williams, who you know immediately gets like a cajillion dollar contract from Detroit, um, and then does this. Uh, you know, encourages his staff to you know make this kind of trade. And I mean, this this hat. Look, if everything comes together, sure, you know, if, if all of, if we see the kind of chemistry between. Durant, Booker and Beal that is unexpected. But yeah, this team could make a run. They've got three guys that can probably average 80 points, you know, during the season. But not only does this team have a chance to underachieve next year. I mean, this could set this franchise back for a generation because I mean they I think they're going to keep the pick in this year's draft, the second round pick. I think is in the 50s. I, I'm not sure. I think they're going to keep that pick from what I've, I've been hearing. But, like, they don't have anything. Like, not even first. Like, they've got some... Yeah, I mean, they don't have control of their pick. They've got some pick swaps in the years to come. So they will have first. But they've just completely booted away all their future draft capital to win over these next few years. And I just think this this has this could blow up in in Brooklyn Nets-esque ways. Like, that's, the, that's yeah. the easiest comp to make. You know, what the Nets did 10 years ago, going all in with Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. And look at how disastrous that was for Brooklyn. Within a couple of years, you know, they were forking over draft picks to Boston that eventually turned into Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. It feels like this has that kind of potential in Phoenix, where if they don't win a championship next year or the year after you know, this could be, this could be a big time problem.
6: Yeah. Especially it's such an interesting amount of aggression to me after what Devin Booker showed us in the playoffs too. Like Devin Booker, I think showed in the playoffs, like he, I think he went to another level. I think he is someone definitely capable of being a number one on a championship team. Like when Chris Paul first got there, I think Chris got a lot of the credit for the way he changed Phoenix. And I think Devin Booker fully took control of that team this season and especially in the playoffs. That I don't know that you need to make this kind of all in completely leveraged future and present move. I, I think so much of this, Chris, is gonna come down to if they can move Aiton and if they can move Ayton for two guys, because they they like who is guarding who's guarding Jamal Murray for them?
5: Okay, yeah, but that's – I mean, that's a fair point, and I yeah. agree with that. But if you trade Ayton for guys that could theoretically guard Jamal Murray or Kawhi, you know, LeBron James LeBron, or yeah. Kawhi, Paul George, any of those guys, then you have to turn around and be like, all right, who's going to be your starting five when you've got to yeah. go up against Nikola Jokic and you've got to sure. go up against Anthony Davis? Are you that giddy about Jock Landale that <laughs> that he's going to be the guy yeah. in the middle? I mean, that's – it's it's – it's trading one problem for another. If, if you wind up dealing with that, I, dealing with I, that. and look, if, I I'd, honestly, I would, to me, the best, the best idea for Phoenix is to keep Deandre Ayton because one thing we know about Frank Vogel's defenses is that they have been the successful ones have been built around a, a dominant big mm-hmm. and say what you want about Deandre Ayton, but he was, you know, the linchpin of some really good defensive teams during Phoenix's, you know, couple of good seasons, including the one that went to the finals. Uh, Frank Vogel, who I've talked to about this on the record, like he wants to coach this guy. Like he believes that he can yep. get more out of DeAndre Aiden. Uh I would be real reluctant to trade him for, for quarters on the dollar just to get, mm-hmm. you know, usable guys as part of the rotation.
6: I, I don't disagree. That that's another kind of baffling aspect of this trade is theoretically you bring in someone like Frank Vogel to coach up DeAndre Aiden, to put him in the best possible position to succeed. Uh, I don't know that this is that situation now because the defensive pressure on him is going to go to another level uh, if they're not able to acquire any talent on the wing. I will say to play devil's advocate a little bit for Phoenix here, I'm sure they're probably sitting back and saying, we were the only team that took two games off of Denver in the playoffs and we did it without Chris Paul and we did Mm -hmm. it with very little depth to begin with. We've shown that we can hang with them. I think that uh, listen, I think Denver is very capable of winning multiple championships, and Jokic and Murray are kind of unstoppable right now. The league's going to figure out what to do with them. At the same time, it's not like Denver was a 65 win team during the regular season. Like we're coming off a season in which we saw maybe the most parity we've seen in the NBA for a very long time. I don't know that that means it's going to be like this forever. But I can, if you squint, you can kind of see Phoenix is thinking of. No one is doing big threes anymore. No one, is, you know, every team is kind of, the, the talent is more dispersed than it was even five years ago, eight years ago, when LeBron and the Warriors were kind of at their height. We have four guys right now who are, are really, really good. It's a little bit of a zag, and I I, I think it's you can. It's a big zag. Yeah, you can. It's a big can, zag. It's a big zag, but I think you can, if you try hard enough, I think you can kind of make that argument. And to me, it's not a completely, it's not one that I would dismiss right away.
5: The, the the issue I have is that just just take a look at the last two NBA champions, for example, uh, Denver and Golden State. Uh, they have high price talent on that roster, but they've got two guys. Both those teams have two guys that are big time scores. In Denver, it's Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. In Golden State, Stephen Clay. Uh, the third guy star, so to speak, on each of those teams was a more versatile guy. Mm-hmm. In Golden State, it was Draymond Green. In uh, Denver, it's Aaron Gordon. So, y- you know, you can have pricey talent on your roster, but you know, th- there better be some diversity to that talent. There better be some multi-skilled players, or you know, that do different things. Phoenix is a bunch of guys that score, and Bradley Beal. Look, I still. The last couple of days have been... It's felt like people have been banging on Bradley Beal. No one's really banging on Bradley Beal, the player. It's Bradley Beal, the soon-to-be 30-year-old with four years left in his contract that people are banging on. But he is a guy that has not played more than 60 games in a season in each of the last four years. He is someone who statistically has regressed as a three-point shooter from early in his career. Uh, And he's also a very high usage rate player when he's at his best. The 2021 season... When he made third-team All-NBA and was averaging 31 points per game, his usage rate was 34.1. That was third-highest in the NBA, right mm-hmm. behind uh, Luka and Steph Curry. So you know, he, here's a guy that, when he's most effective, has the ball in his hands. That's also the case for Kevin Durant, also the case for Devin Booker. And I hear you on Devin Booker being a playmaker, and I thought he thrived in that role in spurts mm-hmm. in the postseason. Hard to do that for a long time. Hard to do that for 60-plus games in the regular season and a full playoff run. Like, they're going to need to find another playmaker. And I don't know who that guy is. I don't know who is available that is going to want to sign there. Maybe there are guys that want to sign there, but will sign there for the money Phoenix can offer.
6: For sure. And I think part of the issue, I think, sometimes when people assess offseason moves, the first thing they do is look at the playoffs, and they say, "Would this guy would have helped in this series. How would he have made a difference in the postseason, etc.? You also still have to build a team to a degree for the regular season. You need guys for those first eighty-two games. Look at what happens with Chris Paul, for example. The Suns have have never gotten kind of a real, true backup point guard. I mean, Campaign has had good moments, and credit to him for reviving his career. But like, they needed someone who could take a lot off Chris Paul's plate so that he would be healthy and fresh for the playoffs. That hasn't been the case. And every year in Phoenix, he's had health issues in the playoffs. Now, part of that, Chris's playing style dominates the ball, etc. But, like, that's the challenge of building a team. It can't literally only be for the playoffs because you have to survive the, the regular season in order to get there. And th- they're going to have a massive challenge surviving those first 82 games, especially if Durant goes down. I think they're going to be in big trouble. And you, all the things you mentioned about Beal, like needing the ball in his hands to be his best, etc. Not to be Heat guy, but makes it like all the more shocking to me that Miami didn't somehow get this done. I know that they're maybe trying to be involved in Dame. I think this is probably more tax-related than Dame related, but like I just think Beal the skills are so redundant with Booker. He's a worse version of Devin Booker, if you really think about it, that he just made sense, I think, for so many other teams before Phoenix. And you know, part of it again, he had the no trade clause, he could decide where he wanted to go. It sounds like the Suns were recruiting him very hard, but I just I don't even think it's the best fit for Beale moving forward in his career, even though it's the best team he's ever played on. I I, I just don't know how it's quite gonna work.
5: I even, don't think there was a hard I don't think there was a hard offer from Miami yeah. to go back to that. Um there was some reporting out there about well, Tyler Hero, first round picks. I don't think Miami offered anything close to that. Mm-hmm. I mean Uh, And we'll get into this in a minute, but I I do think Miami is more focused on Damian Lillard and the, the hope that he'll become available over the next couple of weeks. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge.
1: Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next
7: each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to talk about Washington
5: and what they got out of this, which, quite frankly, is nothing. Like, what Washington gets out of this is they get off the final four years and $200 million of Bradley Beal's contract. Landry Shamit is fine. Maybe he gets more minutes in a depleted Wizards rotation. Uh, Second-round picks are fine. Maybe you can package them to get somebody else down the line. Uh, But the prize in this was getting off the contract. Uh, I've been hearing for, for weeks now that the offers for Bradley Beal... They just weren't there, like they even if Washington had been able to open things up because you know w- without a no trade clause, I don't think there would have been overwhelming offers like we saw last year when Donovan Mitchell hit the free agent or hit the trade market, when Rudy Gobert hit the trade market um in those circumstances, you had two teams desperate to acquire those players. you had Cleveland that viewed Donovan Mitchell as the missing piece. You had Minnesota that, for whatever reason at that time, thought Rudy Gobert could push them into the top four in the Western Conference. For multiple reasons, those teams didn't exist during these last couple of weeks as Bradley Beal's availability became more known. Um, that being said, like, what do we think of the return that Washington got? You know, is it worth it, or was it worth it for them to do this deal now, just to get off of the final four years of Beale's contract?
6: Listen, th- I want to preface this by saying I don't think it's Michael Winger's fault. He just got here; he had to clean up this mess. This is a disaster for Washington, and the way they they mismanaged this Beal situation, just a reflection on the entire franchise. The last five years, they have one playoff appearance and they they lost in the first round. For them to to see that and still give Beal the full supermax. Again, they they're not it's not you're not bidding against anyone when you offer a guy supermax. You can just offer him a max. You can trade him. But they not only did they sign him to the supermax, they gave him the no trade clause. It, it's one of the just you know, they should be thanking the Russell Westbrook trade every day for this not getting more attention is one of the worst Decisions by front office in the last few years because they they have just nothing to show for Bradley Bradley Beals Prime. Nothing. They have one first round playoff loss, and that's it. And listen, could they have gotten something better if, if they waited? I think it's easy to say that now, but wait till a team gets desperate, right? Wait, wait till the regular season starts and some teams feel some team feels like they're a piece away, like the Suns did with Durant. At the trade deadline this year, worst case, you're paying Bradley Beal to sit at home, and, and you go into the tank anyway. And I, I don't know. I can't sit here and say they would have done better. But to me, this is this is just a culmination of a disastrous process. Just a huge black eye. I mean, they're going to be going into the tank for a few years here. I mean, they're they're going to be bad. It's going to be bleak.
5: Uh, I agree with you that holding on to Bradley Beal deeper into the summer and even into the season would have been my move. Um, Michael Winger was dealt a tough hand. I mean, it just, you know, oftentimes we sit here on podcasts or writing, whatever we're doing, and we don't really see the whole board and, you know, teams, general managers, as they should be, are often smarter than the media. But how the Wizards handled Bradley Beal the last couple of years, it's crazy. Like, none of it made any sense. The, you know, not trading Beal in 2022 before he got this contract extension was a mistake. His maximum value, you know, probably came at the end, certainly at the end of 21 when he was electric uh, in that season. And it it certainly was, there was value in the middle of 2022 when, you know, he was still a guy that didn't have this albatross of a contract
0: Mm -hmm.
5: uh, hanging around uh, the Wizards' uh, heads, hanging over the Wizards' heads. So, But, and then you... uh, <laughs> then you give them the no trade. I don't even want to get to the no trade clause. The no trade clause was insane, like, insane. Like, 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 like and, you know, it's blame Tommy Shepard, blame Ted. But Ted Liana signs off on that too. Like that's got to be on him. That's well. on ownership for sure. Like at yeah, some point, you can't. At some point, the, like where is Brad? Where is Beal going to go? Like that—that that he's going to get a deal better than the five years, two hundred fifty-one. Like that is the carrot, not the no trade clause. You don't give a guy like that. I, I wrote this. Like Bradley Beal got what Nikola Jokic. Giannis Tentecumpo and Joel Embiid do not have. Like, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But I, I just, I, I, don't, I, I don't like the speed with which this deal could have been. I understand that in the new, under the new CBA rules, it gets even more complicated come July 1st to do big deals because mm-hmm. the money teams are allowed to take back shrinks a little bit and it just becomes overall more complicated. So maybe there was that, In the mind of the Wizards that if we don't do this deal now, we may have to take back more bad contracts just to get off this Mm -hmm. Bradley Beal deal. So I can understand it from that perspective, but there's just nothing here. There's there's no meat on this bone. It's just a deal that removes a bad contract off their books for the long term. Uh, On the Chris Paul side of it. So... As we said, this deal is not official because you know, the Wizards are going to try to find a third team to facilitate Mm that will give them something back in exchange for Chris Paul. If they don't, there will be pressure from Paul's representatives to waive him and cut him loose so he can go off and handpick the team that he wants to sign with. I understand that from Chris Paul's perspective. If the Wizards do that, though, they're nuts. They're absolutely nuts. Because what does Washington have to gain by just waiving Chris Paul? Like goodwill towards Paul and the people that represent him? Like, can't deposit that in the bank. I, I don't, you know. And if history has shown us that if you have a player like Chris Paul, who's going to be on, what, a 30000000 million million-ish expiring contract, it's going to be a market for him somewhere. Like somebody over the course of the next few months and into next season is going to look at Paul, who... You know, he spends the offseason working. You know, all of a sudden you can kind of forget some of the things we saw last year. Maybe makes a few more three-pointers. There's gonna be somebody out there that's gonna say, here's an asset or mm-hmm. a future draft pick for for you to, to 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 for Chris Paul, for us to take Chris Paul off your hands. I just think the worst thing Washington can do is to just wave Chris Paul. I mean, there's gonna be pressure, and I understand you know you want teams want to do right by players i don't know if i I agree with that perspective but teams in these situations they want to do right by players i wouldn't do it i would hold on to him and i'd wait to see how the season develops next year uh as far as a a developing market for chris ball
6: uh i could not agree with you more for multiple reasons first I believe Bobby Marks pointed this out, but I think Chris Paul's guarantee increases by $10 million because he's been traded. So you don't even get the cap savings from waiving him. If, you, if you'd waived him at his $15.8 million guarantee, you can waive and stretch him. Uh, you pay only 3 to $5 million for the life of his deal towards the cap, and you can cut him, and it makes a lot of sense. Now it makes much less sense to cut him. I also think it would be beneficial for Chris Paul to not be in a rush. Uh, You look at what happened with Al Horford in Oklahoma City. I'm not suggesting Chris Paul should practically sit out an entire season, which is what Horford came close to doing. But he doesn't have to report to Washington. He can work out in L.A. And even if they trade him after two months, that's two months less of regular season games that he's putting on his body before the playoffs. There are a lot of teams that make sense for him. I would be surprised if he did not end up Back out west somewhere. I think he's someone who genuinely, when he says, I want to be close to my family, his family still lives in Los Angeles. That means a lot to him. Um, I do think the Clippers make a lot of sense on a lot of levels. He's not going to have the same burden there as he would, as he's had in Phoenix the last few years. Um, he can play fewer minutes. You know, they can manage him along the regular season. They have a lot of tradable contracts. And I believe if they traded Aaron Gordon before June 28th, The Wizards could just cut Aaron Gordon for no money. He's on a non-guaranteed salary. So a a lot going on there, but I'm with you. I mean, Chris Paul should look at it like, uh, hey, I'm not in a rush. Like, there are worse things for him than I think taking an extra two months to get his body right uh, to make sure he's really ready to go come playoff time.
5: Yeah, and look, if you move off Chris Paul's contract, maybe you can get that protected first-round pick you couldn't get in the Phoenix deal. Mm -hmm. A lot can happen over the next six months, and – if I'm Washington I'd uh I'd want to hold on to him. Um, Isn't it in-
6: insane that Chris Paul could have more trade value than Bradley Beal? I mean it's all
5: about circumstance, right? Yeah. It's all about the market. I mean, mm-hmm. as we said last summer there was a robust market for Donovan Mitchell. You had the Knicks and Cavs competing mm-hmm. to get him, so the offers just kept getting going up and up. Uh, same thing, maybe not the same thing, but you know Minnesota was determined to get their hands on Rudy Gobert and pair him next to Carl anthony Towns because of the circumstance with Beal and the contract and the no trade clause, it wasn't that market like you. And, and again, I don't, I just don't believe that Miami was offering anything of substance. Right. I, I don't even know if there was a, a firm offer on the table for Beal. Cause you would think like, I mean, They could, have, they could Kyle, have beaten it easily if they wanted to. Kyle Lowry and Duncan Robinson or some combination of, of that plus a protected
2: first. Right. Like, I mean, if, if the Heat offered... a better deal.
6: Right. If the Heat offered any sort of first-round pick, it's a better deal, which leads yeah, me to believe that... Speaking of the Gobert trade, real quick, I just want to ask you, will Tim Connolly get a championship ring?
5: Uh, I don't know if he'd even <laughs> want one. I, <laughs> I, I think that is was, uh,
6: yeah. <laughs> that's a tough one.
5: Yeah, I mean, look, he built that team. Yeah, you know, not to say Calvin Booth didn't have a uh, impact. He's been on in the front because, office,
6: but yeah, no,
5: not even not just being in the front office, but it was Calvin Booth's maneuvering last off season, right. that brought in the defensive minded guys, Kintavious Contavio, Caldwell Pope, Bruce Brown, like, and that was a conscious decision. Like they went right. after Gary Payton the second, you know, I was told for for a little bit. Um, so you know, he definitely earned his money, earned his championship ring, Calvin Booth in that one. Uh, but Tim Conley. See if you can do it in Minnesota. See if an even bigger challenge to do it right now with the Timberwolves.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events...
1: Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call
2: 1-800-GAMBLER. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Die.
7: each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Last thing on this deal is kind of an ancillary part of it. Uh, as we said, Miami didn't really get all that aggressive uh, for Beal. I I think it will be different if Damian Lillard becomes available. I think Miami would get ultra aggressive to try to extract Damian Lillard because I believe down in Miami, they are the idea of a Damian Lillard, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo core. That's pretty appealing.
6: That is worth, that is worth going into the second apron. That's
5: a, that, that is a nice mix right there. A really nice mix of, of talent that does a whole lot of different things for For you. Um, so the, with, with Lillard, as so I reported this a little bit on Monday, like Portland, Portland's not looking to deal the number three pick right now, but they're also kind of trying to thread the needle. Like they're trying to use other draft capital and some of the young piece they have on the roster to get a win now type of player. Two guys they've been looking hard at and talking about. Are in Toronto. Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi are two guys they've discussed with the Raptors. Um, But to this point, you know, as far as I can tell, the Blazers are not looking to deal that number three pick. I think a reason for that, Rohan, is (laughs) look. The the the, there there seems to be a debate about you know at least in Charlotte about who should go number two, whether it's. Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson. I honestly believe like at least two thirds of the league, maybe more would take Scoot Henderson hands down with that number two pick, but maybe it gets a little bit complicated for Charlotte, which already has a point guard in place. The ball is, is the franchise player down there. Now there is a huge danger to drafting based on need and not the best player available. I think that's mm-hmm. always a bad idea, but there does seem to be some debate in Charlotte, over who to take with that number two pick, at least there has been over the last couple of weeks. Uh, if Charlotte winds up taking Brandon Miller, and if Scoot Henderson is on the board, like Scoot has has transformational potential. He's not Victor Wembanyama, but you know you watched Scoot Henderson last in, year. And in most a lot other of drafts,
6: Scoot's going number one.
5: Yeah, he he would be going number one in a lot of drafts. Mm-hmm. He is a. Big, strong, athletic, playmaking, scoring—whole package type of point guard. Um, you know, he's Russell. He looks like a, a prime Russell Westbrook. You know, at this point, and, and maybe with the potential to be even better. So, I, I think the Blazers. I think they're they're kind of like if 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 Scoot goes number two, would the Blazers be more motivated to deal number three? Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. because I don't, I don't. Maybe they don't think Brandon Miller has the same upside. As as Scoot Henderson. But if Scoot Henderson is on the board, it's going to be really tough for the Blazers to pass that up. I mean, the Blazers, they're already kind of rebuilding anyway, right? Like right. they've got... <laughs> I mean, you, you have Anthony Simons, a really young guy they drafted years ago It's just starting to develop into a scorer. Shaden Sharp is a year or two away from being whatever they hope he's going to be. So they're trying to walk a fine line here in Portland where they're going to be, they're on the lookout and aggressively pursuing win now type of guys that will make Lillard believe that this team is going in the right direction. At the same time, teams are out there and Miami's at the, at, at the forefront of it that are, you know, waiting to see if that pursuit comes up short. And if the Blazers come Friday morning are sitting there with Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson And no other player that's going to make them better. Because if that's the case, there's going to be a discussion in that Portland front office uh, with Damian Lillard. And and look, this is not breaking news. I mean, Lillard told me this in March. He's told other outlets this uh, in the past. Like, if they are not in a position where they can compete for championships or at least compete at a reasonably high level, um, he'll sit down with Joe Cronin, who he's got a great relationship with, and discuss... The best possible options, and that's what I think teams are like Miami are waiting for right now. And I, I don't, I don't blame them for that. I mean, Bradley Beal would make Miami better, but Damian Lillard is such a better fit, like right. such a better right. fit with that Miami team.
6: Yeah, it makes sense to wait. You know, we can talk about each team waiting specifically. It to me, it's just, uh, you know, we've done this for a couple years with Dame now, and the risk you take with waiting is big, especially if you mention. The scenario happens in which Scoot Henderson's taken number two. And I think, you know, if you follow the betting markets, that's looking more and more like a possibility that Charlotte takes Scoot Henderson second. In which case, then Portland becomes more amenable to trading the third pick. And whether or not Portland is making a smart decision by going out and getting a Pascal Siakam, or whoever the case may be, someone that makes the team better, but not necessarily a championship contender, now all the teams putting their eggs in the Dame basket— are left with him staying in Portland where he has needed like he's need he's needed like every single last thing to go wrong before he's willing to say, I want out. And now you're going to roll that dice again. It's not a good free agent market. So I understand why teams would wait for Dame. Like if you're the heat, for example, I don't know. We keep using the heat. Like if you're Brooklyn, if you're going to go down that route, um, Brooklyn can afford to wait a little bit more. You know they have all these draft picks. They're not uh, as worried about the cap. If you're like well, a contender, Brooklyn,
5: Brooklyn is the biggest threat to to Miami at least right, right now because mm-hmm. they do they've have like
6: eleven tradable first round picks. And yeah, they they've all, got a lot. All, of all the pieces. Suns once
5: It'll be very interesting. I, I to don't s- know. By the way, I, I don't know that that Miami would obviously make Tyler Hero the centerpiece. Look, Miami would throw everything at Portland outside of Bam and Jimmy, like. Mm-hmm. But is that enough to get a deal done with the Blazers when you consider the competition? Because, you know, we talked about circumstance. There will be a big market for Damian Lillard. A big market. Well, I mean, yeah, and it's going to it. be. New York will be in it. Like, there'll yeah. be a lot of teams out there that, at least on the surface, seem to have more assets available than Miami would.
6: For sure. I, I, it's going to take – if the Heat get Dame, it's going to take Dame pushing for him to go to Miami – Because, you know, the the Heat could put in this year's pick, I think, two or three down the line, swaps, last year's first-round pick, Nikolajovic, Hero, like, they'll have enough to get something passable done, but it would take Dame saying, I want to play there. I just think all these teams waiting for Dame, teams have been waiting for him for years. And I think the closer we get to the draft without them making a move, the more I'd be nervous if I'm one of these teams hoping that Dame's my next guy. Because I think it's going to take – Portland to really kind of, they'd have to go, I think, in a really negative direction quickly for Dame to re- finally want out. Yeah, I, it's not even
5: a negative direction. Wait, right, like, a, a
6: a look. Damian Lillard look,
5: Lilla looks at this team and knows it's not a contender. It's right. it's not. Um, with everybody back, like they they were relatively healthy last year. I mean, it wasn't yeah. like. They got off to a good start, but then it was, they yeah. were just kind of whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And they were, they were in that play in mix for a while. Like, you, mm-hmm. you just, he's, if this is the team plus a teenager, whether it's Scoot or Brandon Miller, Dame's not going to want to be a part of that. He's not going to demand a trade because that's not his style. But as he said publicly, like, there will be conversations had with Portland about what to do going forward. And I think that that is what teams are, are waiting does, on to see does, Friday morning and what happens with that team.
6: Does a Lillard, Siakam, Jeremy Grant trio do
5: anything for you? I don't think that moves the needle, and like you're gonna have to probably give up Simons and the 23rd pick for that. Um, I I don't I I like Simons
6: as a player. To me, I don't understand him and Dame together. I don't know how that's a better version of Dame and McCollum. Honestly, like no, nah, it's
5: it's kind of a new new version of right. it. Right? Um, yeah,
6: but Dame Sharp. Grant Siakam, you, are you I think at some point they have to get a new center for many reasons.
5: Uh, good luck getting off that contract. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think
6: he's got like three years left. That's a tough yeah, one.
5: No, it's not, not a great deal. Yeah, um, I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't. I don't even know. Like, does you know, getting Siakam and swapping Siakam out for for Simons, I, I don't know how much that improves you. Siakam's a good player, um, but does that put you in that Denver? Memphis Sacramento Lakers Clippers I, I I don't know. I I don't I it feels like that's still that's still a team that is in the bottom half of the playoff bracket at best and it's, it's not where Dame is looking to be. You know, and, and look, this we're we're having this conversation now and it just it just feels obvious to me that that now's the time yeah. to deal little. It. it feels it felt obvious last year that it was time to trade Bradley Beal, and you know Lillard's contract is it's it's kind of around the same as Beal. He's got three guaranteed years left. I think a player option is sixty three million, which is huge on the back end of that deal. But like he's had some injury issues the last couple of years. Yeah. like he's one bad abdominal strain. You know, from you know being incredibly difficult to deal, and certainly getting right. less than the kind of value you can get right now. Right now, you got a chance to get real value. With draft Mm -hmm. picks, young pieces, like, we know that. Six months from now? Maybe. Maybe you still can, but you don't know. Uh, It just feels like a big risk to take to hold on to him. It just does. Uh, And I understand he sells tickets, and he's an icon out there. He doesn't want to leave. Let's make that clear. He does not want to leave Portland. He wants, Like, nobody in the NBA wants to win a championship in their home market more than Damian Lillard does in Portland. That's unequivocally true. But... I, I don't know how they get there. And I don't yeah. think there's a deal out there. Even like the third, like, like y'all had Zion talk that's out there. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how available Zion Williamson is. Um, right. th- there's a weird dynamic right now with Zion and new Orleans. And I, I, I can promise you like <laughs> Zion hearing his name and all these trade talks that, that can't be good for that relationship. Right. That can't be good for that dynamic down there. Is
6: there a world in which they could somehow do Zion and Siakam in the same summer? I I don't know if they have the contracts to do it. That would that would maybe get perk my ears up a, a little bit.
5: I I don't know. Uh that that like the I, would I acquire if I had a, if I was Charlotte, would I trade the number two pick for Zion? And I understand contracts, you have to figure it out. It's not just that simple. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe. like I, I think Zion is is being undervalued right now. Like,
6: I would, listen, I, if I could pair LaMelo and Zion together. I mean, come on. I would do me. it. I would do it. He's just 23. Because. He's and, 23 with five years left on his deal. Five years. Sh- Charlotte would be, they would sell a lot of tickets for people wanting to see LaMelo and Zion play together.
5: It would be electric. And look, that's part of the reason you don't deal Zion if you're New Orleans, too, because yeah. Zion is the draw down there. Like, if I was Portland and the third pick was on the table for Zion, I'd do that in a heartbeat, too. I, mm. I would. Because that kind of solves both your problems. in a way. Right. Because Zion is still just 23, but he's an established 23-year-old. Right. When healthy, as he was two seasons ago, averages 27 points a game on 65% true shooting. So Nuts. he's, you know, I mean, that's big. You know the one, and, and I, I'm not, Taking a position on this because I I kind of took a vow not to do fake Jalen Brown trades this <laughs> offseason. But like a Zion for Jalen Brown deal straight up with filler kind of around it. I'm wondering who says no to that. That's um, an interesting one that I haven't really heard anyone float out. I, I just I wonder who's who says no in that situation. Um <laughs> I again, I I think Jalen Brown is Tremendous, and I wouldn't break them up. I'm on the record as
6: I'm on the record as don't break them up.
5: Yeah, look, I I think what Denver has shown is the value of patience, right? It's been a a lot of seasons now for Boston being the bridesmaid and and coming up short, whether it's conference finals or the NBA finals a year ago. Uh, But you know, Zion may not be on the table a year from now, and he may not be as valuable Hmm. a year from now. I mean, look, you. You get worse. Like, on paper, right away, you get worse. Because Jalen Brown is coming off his best season. And Zion is damaged goods. Right. But the ceiling for Zion.
6: Yeah. I mean, you in a year, oh. you could be... Yeah, that would be...
5: You're talking about Zion and Tatum. Like, you, you'd have to change your identity. Because Boston was has been this kind of switch-happy, great defensive team. And that's a lot to do with Jalen Brown. But uh, that that... <laughs> I don't think that's going to be discussed... At least I haven't heard it discussed, but that that's the most interesting fake Zion trade.
6: What me. do you what do you make of the Celtics' position in general? We're hearing Malcolm Brogdon chatter. I think Grant Williams. I'd be surprised if there's, it's just the money. I think it's going to be tricky to retain him. They're right there. They're right there in the East. How do they? What is your kind of outlook? How do they get over the top?
5: Well, I don't know how they get over the top per se. I do think there's 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 something to the the Brogdon backcourt break up the backcourt kind of mm-hmm. stuff because there is a log jam there, and you know Peyton Pritchard didn't play much last year, but he's cheaper than yeah. the other guys and he's a rotation guy on most teams in the league and look at it, and it's it's like with the new CBA this is what you need cheap talent you need know, yeah. cheap guys that can play because you start spending more money going into that first and, or second apron and it creates a whole host of new problems mm-hmm. because of the way this has been collectively bargained. I, I do think there'll be conversations about Brogdon uh, being traded. Marcus Smart, he, he would probably be the next, like I, I don't think he's, he'd be the guy, but he'd be the next guy on the list. I think Derek White has really established himself as kind of this invaluable piece of of that rotation. Um, I, I don't know about Grant Williams. They obviously couldn't agree to a deal Last year, I don't know what the market is going to look like. He, I he mean, it's, it's in, he would fit in a lot of places because the tricky thing is he's a big who could shoot the three.
6: There's not a ton of teams with cap space, and the ones that do have, space but he's young through, enough. Yeah, like,
5: but he's young enough that, like, right, that you, it makes sense. Yeah, if if you want to give Grant Williams four years at pff, anywhere between fifteen and twenty, I'm kind of making that up. Yeah, um, that number, like, you can justify that. Like, or if, if you're, you're Detroit or San Antonio, right? Or, if I'm or San
6: Antonio or Houston and I have a ton of space. I would try to do some kind of either a one-year balloon deal with Grant Williams or some kind of deal where it starts big the first year and it decreases, make it tricky for Boston to match. But Boston's cap is actually in decent space, decent shape, I should say, because Horford's taking a huge pay cut on his extension. I have it pulled up right here. They actually have less committed salary next year. Grant's the only guy they don't have signed. So it'll be interesting. I mean, If they can find a taker for Gallinari, maybe you package him with someone. I think there's an avenue for them to bring Grant back because I like him as a player and they need front court depth. I think Horford you saw it they took a badly little bit of a step back. Yeah.
5: Front court depth. Yeah, they yeah. they you know they, this goes back and we've discussed this on the show before but like the Celtics if they could do it all over again would they include a second first round pick to get Jakob Pertl out of Toronto? I mean they really missed some front court. They really missed a player like that as part of yeah. the front court rotation because you know, Luke Cornette was unplayable. Mike Muscala was unplayable. Right. Uh, they had to rely heavily on Al Horford, Rob Williams. You know, Grant, you know, when he was in, he played a lot. When he was out, he didn't play at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think he, he's not a, I mean, they need to either get him back or get somebody equally as good to replace him because right. he's a young guy that when he's on his game is a really good three-point shooter and he's a really good, versatile defender. Like, those are the kind of guys you need in that Boston system. So, uh, yeah, he's, that's going to be interesting to watch. See if there's a team out there that looks at Grant Williams, who's like what, 25 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And says, you know, we'll give him four years at a number Boston, you know, doesn't want to pay that. That's what he was. Grant was banking on last year. You know, when he, you know, he, he, I I thought they would come to an agreement, uh, last summer, but they didn't. And now he enters free agency with a chance to, to, to prove that he was right on a, a deal like that. All right. That's enough for today. I think we've covered uh, all the bases there. We will be back, though, on Friday, I'm going to say, after the NBA draft to see... I'm excited, Chris. I,
6: I'm I'm hoping we get a lot of movement. I'm, I'm ready. I, I, I feel think, like every year we think it's going to be it, but...
5: There's definitely going to be a lot of chatter. It's going to start right mm. at the top. You know, yeah. second and third picks. Uh, if I had to guess, I'm going to say both teams use their picks. You know, uh, and I'm just going to guess that Charlotte's going to take Scoot. Like, I'm mm. I'm just... I just don't... Again, you know, when I talk to people around the league about who they would take with the second pick, it's overwhelmingly in right. favor of Scoot Henderson. It's not a knock on Brandon Miller, who could be a very good player. Right. It's that Scoot looks like a transformational talent. So and
6: and I, I'm a Lamelo fan. I don't think that he's. I don't think it's like we can never draft another
5: guard no.
6: talent. Uh, I mean, we just draft that? talent now.
5: take yes, the best guy figure available. It out. Yep. It, it never. It it almost never works when you draft right. positional need. It never works. Take the best guy, and then deal with the fallout afterwards. So we will be back on Friday to discuss everything that happened on what could be a pretty exciting NBA draft night.